goodness towards us. Thank you so much for the sunshine, and thank you so much, Lord, just for all the people who are here this day, Lord. We ask you, Lord, to continue this blessing watching over us. Help us, Lord, to give you the glory for it all. Continue blessing the message and all that goes on today, and help us just give you the glory for it all. For Jesus, and I pray, amen. Yeah, that's it's the first part, first song. I see it turn to number 25, and please stand for it. And magnify the Lord. Turn a couple pages over to number 28. And you can sit down for this one. How great thou art.
announcements today for today, but I know that Cynthia mentioned that we're planning on having a yard sale sometime soon, so. Let's go over today's memory verse. Put any bulletin there? Psalm 119.72. Let's say it twice. Okay, Psalm 119.72. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Psalm 119.72. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Okay, this next, these next hymns will actually run together. They're a melody. That's why I say it turns 703 and 704. So we'll just do one right after the other. <laughs> it, it goes right from one right to the other. Yep. Nothing is impossible and what a mighty God we serve. special music so pastor come and bring message <laughs> I haven't said hello to you yet hello So I have my problem with my tongue. I see a dermatologist in a week from this Tuesday, and my doctor gave me some opioids to deal with the pain. So if you see me flying away, please catch me, okay? Philippians 1.
There was a man by the name of John Bacon. He was a sculptor. He left an inscription to be placed on his tomb in Westminster Abbey. He wrote these words, what I was as an artist seemed of some importance to me while I lived. But what I was as a believer in Jesus Christ is the only thing of importance to me now. In our passage, Paul was in a quandary, in a dilemma. Look at verse 22. I'm going to ask somebody if they could read verses 22 through 26 for me. Okay. Thank you. So Paul was in this uh, tension of staying here or departing or dying. So if he stayed here, he would have a mere tent dwelling. But if he departed, he would have a permanent abode. Staying here, he had suffering mixed with joy. Departing would be joy unmixed without suffering. Staying here would mean suffering for a little while, but departing would be joy forever. Staying here would be absent from the Lord, but departing would be at home with the Lord. Staying here would be the fight. Departing would be the feast. Staying here would be in the realm of sin. Departing would be in the realm of complete deliverance from sin and a positive holiness. So what was Paul's answer to this dilemma? Well, it's verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. In other words, what he was saying was that Christ was his all in all. That is, Jesus was Lord of his life, Jesus was king of his heart, and Jesus was the love of his soul. Someone wrote these words, The surest sign that God has done a work of grace in my heart is that I love Jesus Christ best, not weakly and faintly, not intellectually, but passionately personally and devotedly, overwhelming every other love of my life. And so for Jesus to be all in all means that he is sovereign over my life. He's over my life. He's in control of my life. He is the commitment of my life. So we want to look at this verse today and focus on this thought. Let Jesus be our all in all. Let's pray. Bless your word today, Lord. Help us in it. 
Speak to us. May we listen and obey. In your son's name, amen. And so, let Jesus be our all in all. And how, how can he be that? Well, first of all, we have to let him be all in all in our lives. Notice what Paul says in that text again. For me to live Christ and to die again. If you were to look at the Greek of, the, of that verse, there are no verbs. So for me to live Christ, to die again. But notice how the verse starts off. He uses for me. And that is the beginning of that Greek sentence. It is a marker of emphasis. In other words, Paul's saying, for me, Christ. He's given a personal testimony. He is not self-centered, but he is Christ-centered. <coughs> Excuse me. Paul's own life had been completely taken up in the person and program of Christ. Christ was the sum total of his existence. And he says, I'm in vital union with Christ, and I live in total devotion to Christ. Now, so if we're living for Christ, if it's for me to live as Christ, what, is, what are some of the manifestations of that? First of all, there is salvation. Salvation. Salvation, or true spiritual life, can only come from Christ. Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So if we don't know him personally as our Lord and Savior, we don't have true life. We don't have salvation. We are still dead in our sins and trespasses. Now let me urge you this morning, if you don't know him as your Savior, maybe today is the time to get saved. But if you are saved, you can say, for me to live Christ. Then there are the thoughts in our lives. Paul's thoughts were centered in Christ. Colossians 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is on the right hand of God. Set your affection or set your thoughts on things above. And so Jesus was the center of his thoughts. Is Jesus the center of our thoughts? If so, then we can say with Paul, for me to live, Christ. Jesus, for me to live, Christ, also meant to Paul was, he is the goal of our lives. The goal of his life was to be like Christ. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, and 14, towards the end of verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Just like someone reaching for the goal. That's what he was doing. He was the goal of Paul's life. And if he's the goal of our lives, we can say, for me to live is Christ. And it also deals with the choices in our lives. When Paul made choices, they were in light of his relationship with Jesus. He brought his thoughts and choices under obedience to Christ. He says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every into captivity, every thought 
to the obedience of Christ. So whether they were small things or big things or small choices or big choices, he was able to ask the following questions. Would Jesus be pleased? Am I giving Jesus first claim in my life? Is what I'm choosing in accordance with God's word? Will my choice glorify God? Is what I am choosing what I want or what God wants? Do I find myself having to defend and justify my causes and choices to others walking with Christ? So I need to answer the question, is Jesus is Jesus the center of the choices in my lives, in my life? If that's the case, I can say, for me to live is Christ. How about the purpose in my life? First Corinthians 2 2. For I determine not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Wherever Paul went, he now had a message, a message of hope, of forgiveness before God, and of joy. Jesus Christ became the purpose of his living. If that's the same for us, then we can say, for me to live is Christ. Now, what does Paul mean when he says, for me to live is Christ? Well, first of all, he was completely identified with Christ. His desire was to become like his master. And so whatever he did, he did in light of his relationship to Jesus. He was so preoccupied with Christ that life for him was synonymous as being with Christ. He had, Christ had forgiven him all his sin and had given him a new life. And so Paul wanted to live out this new life no matter what he did and no matter what circumstance, the circumstances were. Secondly, Paul's life, energy, and time was and would be spent for Christ. His life was totally devoted to Christ. His life was summed up in Christ. His life was filled up, occupied in Christ, in the sense that everything that he did, that means his trust, loves, hopes, obedience, preaches, his following, and so on, is inspired by Christ and is done for Christ. Thirdly, to Paul, Christ and Christ alone gives inspiration, direction, meaning, and purpose to existence. Without Jesus, life has no meaning. Without Jesus, life has no direction. And without Jesus, life has no purpose. And so, so he could say, for me to live is Christ. You remember the old hymn? Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. He is my strength, 
from day to day, without him I would fall. When I am sad, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. He's my friend. And so Paul says, for me to live is Christ in my life. And then he goes on, for me to live is Christ, to die gain. And so we need to let Jesus be our all in all in our death. Now to the unbeliever, death is something to be feared. And sometimes to them, all, all it is is a release from earthly troubles and no more. Someone wrote these words, And lo, upon being told by Prometheus of sufferings still to come, cries out, What gain have I then in life? Why did I not hurl myself from this rugged rock? Better it were to die once for all than linger out all my days in misery. So dying to the pagan was a walking away from present ills out into the unknown, perhaps into non-existence. Also, since most people today don't believe, that, most people believe that man is only an animal, many of them don't think there's any life after death anyway. Now, in contrast to the believer, to the unbeliever, for the believer, death is gain. And we need to be looking at it that way. For me to live as Christ and to die gain. So when Paul also viewed death as a release from earthly troubles, but, but he saw death as more than this. In death, there was a continuing relationship with Christ. Life, which is Christ, is thus not destroyed by death. It is only increased and enriched by death. So after death, all believers will collect the profits of their life's investments for Christ. And we need to never forget, God always pays rich dividends. So what would be, this profit be for us? Death would bring us into the presence of Christ. Death would bring us into more complete union with Christ. Death would remove us from suffering and trials. Death would remove us from the limitations of earthly life. Death would bring us into rest after a life of toil. Again, another writer. Death will be a distinct gain because it will be a gateway to clearer knowledge, more wholehearted service, more exuberant joy, more rapturous adoration. The death is gained because it brings more of Christ to us and more of us to Christ. Another writer. One of the martyrs said to his persecutors as they led him to death, you take a life from me that I cannot keep and bestow a life upon me that I cannot lose. What an attitude to have. 
Now, let me ask you as we close. Do you feel the same tension about life and death as Paul felt? You know, since June 8th, when I, when I was in that accident, I have on several occasions asked the Lord this question. Why did you spare me? I, I, I tell him, Lord, you could have taken me home. Instead, you have left me in this world. You know, Lord, I could be free from, I could have been free from the recovery process, the rehabilitation, the limitations, the pain, and the stress. You know what his answer to me is? I come back to verse 21. For me to live, Christ. That's reason. If you were to complete the sentence, for me to live is, how would you complete it? Would you say for me to live is money? For me to live is my family? For me to live is my career? For me to live is my car? My house? For me to live is my computer? For me to live is buying things? For me to live is entertainment? You know, you know what the sum, if I were to sum all of those answers into one thing, you know, what, what, I'm, you know what, what we're really saying? For me to live is me. For me to live is me is just plain selfishness. In this selfishness, I live to please me to fulfill my wants, to satisfy my appetites, to get my attitude. We live in a woke society. You know what a woke society's attitude is? Let me read it to you. If I like it, it's mine. If I can take it away from you, it's mine. If I had it all a while ago, it's mine. If I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay down your toy, it's mine. If it's broken, it's yours. So if you and I can say, for me to live is me, then how would I complete this? For me to live is me, to die is, you know what? Shame, disappointment, loss, destruction, unfulfillment. A.W. Tozer wrote these words. The widest thing in the universe is not space. It is a potential capacity of the human heart. Being made in the image of God, it is capable of almost unlimited extension in all directions. And one of the world's greatest tragedies is that we allow our hearts to shrink until there is room in them for little beside ourselves. So, is Jesus your all in all? Really? Is he mine? Over a hundred years ago, 
a group of Englishmen were waiting death in an ice hut in the wild Antarctic. One of them, Dr. Edward Wilson, was writing home to his wife. This is what he wrote. Don't be unhappy. We are playing a good part in a great scheme arranged by God himself, and all is well. We will all meet after death, and death has no terrors. All is for the best to those who love God, and we have both loved him with all our lives. Life itself is a small thing to me now, but my love for you is forever and part of our love for God. All the things I had hoped to do with you after this expedition are as nothing now, but there are greater things for us in the world to come. All is well. Dr. Edward Wilson said, for me to live is Christ to die again. Can you say with Paul that Jesus is the Lord of your life, that he is the king of your heart, that he is the love of your soul? Let me close with the words from this song. I've been so foolish. I thought I was free. Wrapped up in selfishness, I lived life for me. Searching for pleasure, in Satan's domain, longing for happiness, but looking in vain. I was the master, the king of my ways, grasping authority in search of man's praise. Now I surrender, I give you the throne. Lord, crush my stubborn pride and come reign alone. Lord, in temptation, when my heart is untrue, conquer my passion and bring me back to you. King of my heart, I crown you now. <coughs> I fall at your feet, and before you I bow. Though my life is nothing, is all I can bring. I am your servant. You are my king. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word this morning. Nothing in life is important when compared to you. Help us, help us all to see it today so we can say, for me to live, Christ, to die, gain. In your son's name. Amen. Please take your hymnals. Turn to 253, please. Please stand.
Amen.